Hey guys, this is Brian. And this is Jesse. And we run Reconciled Media. We create reformed, presuppositional, and post-millennial content. Check out Reconciled Radio, where we've interviewed guests like Joel McDermott and Darren Doan. And the Alpina Antithesis, where we engage with the issues and events around our community from a full orb, faith for all of life, Christian worldview. Both shows can be found on Apple Podcasts at Reconciled Media. Go to Facebook.com slash Reconciled Media to stay up to date with our latest content, memes of the week, and our Reconciled recommendations. Thanks, and go cultivate a kingdom culture. Welcome back to Awakening Reformation, where Reformation awakens now. My name is Grant, and joined with me is my beautiful wife, Erica, the weaker vessel. Hello, everyone. If you want to get to know more about us, we're a part of Rebel Alliance Media, so go check them out on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts. You can also check out all the rest of the content of the network on rebelalliancemedia.com, and... If you would like to financially support us, we have a Patreon. So patreon.com slash Rebel Alliance is where you can financially support us. Also find us on YouTube. Subscribe. So tonight we don't have a topic. To the other Rebels, this may be (laughs) quite shocking. Not really, actually. But Erica has known... It might seem like we never really have a topic. Yeah, right. The listeners are like, it seems like you always kind of come at this <laughs> All right. winging it. So we have several topics, several suggestions, and we're going to play a bit of, what do you call it? Roulette. Roulette. Roulette's the spinning. Right. Like you, you know, throw a ball on the thingy. And, and just you never know what's going to happen. Okay. Yeah. So this is how we're going to play. We're Calvinists, so we can't say it's left up to chance. You're going to give me a number, and okay. there's a list on my phone right Ooh, this here. This is good. I like this. So whatever number you pick, that is the number for in the topic to talk of about. The topic, yeah. Are we going to get through all of them? No. So we're, are we hitting these deep? Or no, we this just... is this is just one of them to get crossed off our list. Maybe we'll play roulette again next week. Yeah. Okay. I'm liking this. So basically, we're playing roulette for about thirty to forty minutes. Uh. So what is my range? What is my number range here? What do I got? One through twelve. <laughs> one. Through... All right. One through twelve. Well. Uh, my favorite number is seven, so I'm going to go with seven to begin with. Okay. I feel like we should have sound effects, you know, like a... S- you could probably put one, probably put one in. Yeah, I can find one. So the topic is your sphere of influence. Okay. I think this question or this topic would be, how do you influence your particular sphere? How very good. ought a Christian utilize their particular sphere? Very good question. So tips, tricks... Things that like are biblical are not clearly biblical are clearly not biblical. Mm-hmm. Uh, this could get into like gender questions. Yeah, definitely stages of life, all mm-hmm. sorts of stuff. Well, I think a good starting point would be to point out Abraham Kuyper's teaching on sphere sovereignty. You've heard us talk about this. Many yeah, I'm times. sure we've if mentioned you've it before. Been following the rebels for any amount of time, you've heard us talk about sphere sovereignty. So there's, uh. The sphere of the civil government, there's the sphere of the church, and the sphere of the family. And obviously, God is sovereign over all three of those. But when you look at scripture, you see that specific tasks and duties have been uh, given to either the government, family, or the church. And then there, you could throw an individual sovereignty in there, but that's kind of how you interact with all three, right? Mm-hmm. But anyway, that'd be a good place to start is... To find out what what sphere it is that you need to be doing, or um, I don't know how to communicate. Well, depending what on like what your depending on what your job is, right. You might fall into many of those categories. Yeah, or if you're a biblical and godly stay at home mom, your most of your energy is going to be poured into family, mm-hmm. the sphere sovereignty of the family. Right. <clears throat> if you're a deacon or elder at church, you really need to know what the parameters are for. The sphere sovereignty of church, mm-hmm. and then if you're in the in government, in any form or fashion, then you need to know that sphere. But what I would say individually, though, is find out what um, is commanded of 
all people everywhere, of every Christian, regardless of gender and age, you know, or mm-hmm. where you're from. And that would be a first place to start is what do I do as a Christian? As... So, like, love your neighbor as yourself. Yeah. Fear God. Great commission. Yeah. Right? Fear God, shun evil. Walk humbly before your God. Mm-hmm. Do justice. Love mercy. Exactly. Yep. And so, start there. And then, no matter what sphere you're in or wherever you are, you'll be impacting the kingdom in a huge way. So, this is why I think this question is a great question especially being post-millennial, we have uh, eschatology that should be um, a motivator for us right? and also a, a grand hope for us. Mm-hmm. So we know that the life that we've been given is a gift from God, and we know that the good gifts that he gives to us are gifts that should be stewarded and utilized as weapons mm-hmm. to further expand Christ's kingdom. We also know from scripture that every gift that God does give to us, he expects a return on his investment. Yeah, that's exactly what Jesus taught in the parable of the talents. Right. So if that's the case, if all of us with however much or little we've been given in our sphere, Mm -hmm. uh, whether it be monetary means, whether it be talents, um, influence, uh, whatever it is. Yeah. We have been giving these gifts and we need to steward them to get the most, the most back on Christ's investment, right? Exactly. So that means you have to look at your sphere realistically and say, how can I utilize what I have to get the maximum profit yeah, from I, it? Yeah. And I think one of the biggest things to guard yourself against when thinking about what is my sphere of influence is that everyone's is probably going to look different and And changes and to not covet another Mm -hmm. person's uh, sphere of influence. God seems to just pick certain men or women who influence in a really big way, meaning a lot of followers or they happen to write the book that ends up being the book. Everyone reads that that year or that decade. You know, there are certain names within church history that seems to be what everybody remembers. Mm hmm. And there are thousands of other faithful men and women that you don't ever hear about that are right. that are just as important. I don't want to say that only the you know real popular ones are the only mm-hmm. important ones. Every piece is important, right? A huge machine, a tiny screw can come undone and screw up the whole thing. No pun intended. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so I would say, you know, guard yourself against coveting another another one's fear. This is super dangerous in our culture right now with our you know, need for followers and likes and shares that we can covet another person's influence. Oh, they got more shares on on their little well. This pithy is saying, this is the but... problem with the everyone gets a trophy culture anyway. Right. I want the same amount of likes because we think that everyone should be flattened to be equal. Yeah, which is a Marxist idea. Yeah. Continue. <laughs> but that's just not how God works. God. Right raises kings and God is the one who chooses leaders and he raises some and he humbles others. And Mm -hmm. I mean, that's just God's economy. And yeah, it's not a zero sum economy, which is what Marxist ideas were built on is like a fixed amount of wealth. Mm -hmm. And so we got to redistribute this so that it's fair across the board. That's not God's economy. Like you said, right. This is this, I think um, this topic in particular is probably one that Christians would do well to do more um, teaching on and like maybe more explaining. Yeah. Because I just think of the most basic, mundane, everyday tasks that people have to do throughout regular life. Yeah. Should I buy a car? Should we have kids? Should we not have kids? How many kids should we have? Mm -hmm. Should we move? Should we stay? Should we go to, you know, the in-laws for the weekend? Should we um, quit this job over here that makes us decent money for this job mm-hmm. over here that would help us spend more time with our family? Should the kids do judo or not? Yeah. Should the kids take ballet? Should we homeschool? Should our kids go to private Christian school? Mm-hmm. Should they go to a public school? I mean, there's so many questions and you have to stop and think, okay, what sphere has God placed me in? Mm-hmm. And then be realistic. How can... I utilize all of this to get the most back on Christ's investment. 
Yeah. And how many times do Christians really stop and ask themselves? I mean, I know that we had those like silly bracelets in the 90s. What would Jesus do or yeah. whatever? <laughs> Maybe instead of what would Jesus do, we should ask what would what did Jesus accomplish and how can I join in that? Mm-hmm. Be funny. Would uh, would as many people have worn the bracelets if it said what did Jesus command? Yeah, right. <laughs> probably not. Probably probably not so many. Rome became Christian because the Christians in Rome during the early church age were just faithful. That was it. They weren't holding big protests or having big tent revivals. They mm-hmm. were just faithful in the day to day. And a couple of hundred years later, Rome becomes Christian. So let's talk about that, though, because there are many spheres that we can see at play there. Mm-hmm. There is the everyday Christian. So let's start from the very first smallest sphere, mm-hmm. which would be the the family sphere. Mm-hmm. That would include a husband and a wife, right? a mom and a dad. Yep. And then even within that little sphere, there's two different bubbles. The one <laughs> that's the, the tasking and the responsibility given to a woman and the one that's given to a man. Right. And we would say, though they complement each other, they are still different. Of course. And if you do those things, if you fulfill your tasks as a man or as a woman in a biblical, faithful way, you you are going to influence our world. Our world today, much like the early church, had a view of men and women that is completely opposite of the Bible. Mm-hmm. And so like Erica and I get weird looks all the time with how we conduct our relationship and how we do life together and do our marriage. And we're trying to be as biblical as we can. And it's just really foreign Much work and weird. is yet needed. <laughs> and, <laughs> sorry. And and maybe we got a long way to go. But But even those little things, people think, oh, that's nothing big. You know, I'm not... Right. Uh, a big ni- a big name celebrity in the Christian world or or I'm not on the news, I'm not on TV. Mm-hmm. But just by having a biblical marriage, you're right. going to make a huge influence in your workplace or in even in your church probably. So let's talk about the sphere sovereignty thing though. Like we're talking about the husbands and the wives. Mm-hmm. Um in a very real sense, if you're a Christian, you believe in the Great Commission and you see that children are a blessing, the very first thing that you see happening in the Bible is that God creates a family. God creates Adam and Eve and tells them to be fruitful and multiply. So this is obviously a sphere that God intends to use in a very profound way. We believe that, you know, children are part of God's covenant family, that when Christians have babies, they are part of the church. They're part of the expanding kingdom of God. Right. Um, so because of these beliefs, we would say the questions that would arise in people's everyday lives, like, should we have kids? How many kids should we have? These are very simply answered by saying, what, what task has God given to me? Right. What sphere are we talking about? The, the family sphere? Okay. Well, what has God given me? God has given me a husband. God's given me a wife. I think hmm. I'm supposed to have kids. How can I utilize these good gifts God has given to me? <laughs> How can I maximize these good gifts? Oh, I know. It's children. Let's make some babies. And that just follows perfectly with the cultural mandate. Be fruitful and multiply. Right. Which was reiterated. And make disciples. Yeah. Right. And then reiterated, well, after the flood, be fruitful, multiply. God wants this to happen, you yeah. know? And then, of course... um, the Psalms talk about blessed is the man whose quiver is full. Right. And that Psalm is talking about children. Right. And a quiver with one or two arrows is you're not ready for battle. Well, I would like to be careful. I mean is the aim. I mean is the aim. So if your aim is uh is is not to receive whatever blessings the Lord wants to give you. So here's the thing. We only have three kids and in the Presbyterian world especially we're looked at as right. Major underachievers. Right. We're nowhere near a TLC show. So we are. <laughs> it was not by choice. Um, right. We would have loved to have a slew more and God just didn't see fit to give it to us. So that's fine. But this is the difference, um, I think, in attitude and in posturing before the Lord. Right. It's not how little can I do and still be okay with God. It should right. be like, like we said, what is the most I can do to maximize the good gifts that God has given to me to expand his, and further his kingdom yeah. growth? So. If that is how you're coming at 
life's questions, mm-hmm. uh, I think you're going to have probably a different outcome. Now, we're not saying, like, just be pumping babies out until you die. Like, No, we're, yeah. Just because you think that it's, like, a great thing to do. Like, there, there has to be... Either one can be a check the box. Yeah, there has to be, like, a posturing of one's heart that is just, right. I want to receive the good gifts that God gives to me. True faith is really <clears throat> what it yeah. is. With gratitude. Mm-hmm. That, but that's, I think it was Doug Wilson who said, I, um, it's quality over quantity because uh-huh. he only had three kids too. Right. But then you look at his children and they all had like five, seven, yeah. I think two, two of them had five kids and one of them had seven. So one uh, or yeah. two arrows or three in our case, if that's all that God sees fit to give you, then praise God because that's the influence that he's given to you. Yeah. So I don't think that's anything to be ashamed of. I'm just saying like... It shouldn't be like, well, I had one kid, so I did my duty to God. Like, that's just the wrong posture to have. I have literally heard someone say, you you need two kids because then you've replaced yourself. And that's what God meant by multiply or something. And I was just like, you don't understand mathematics, do you? That's not what this (laughs) means. (laughs) And and I think you nailed it when it when you said that it's a posture of the heart. And that's where true faith comes in, like I said, because you can. You can check the box with one or two, and you can also be checking the box. Okay, God's happy with me. I had 17 exactly. kids. But all of your kids are godless. Yeah. Yeah. So it, so it, it is a heart matter. And, it is. And there is a lot of people in the church culture today that do not see children as a blessing. Right. Are not thinking of the future as when it comes to their kids and their kids' godliness and the quality mm-hmm. of their children's faith yeah and and that's where we see the problems and we see them having one two and the family is disjointed and everyone's you know right. judo ballet dad's business trip mom's job mom and, selling oils yeah or even just mom in the workforce full-time yeah, that's true and and everyone is you know flung to the four corners of the earth and they're like oh but we're christian we, mm-hmm. we're at church every sunday morning and we help out you know in this that well, this is you're why you're not doing it right. You're not influencing where you could be. Right. And this is I was going to piggyback on what you were saying. This is where the posturing of one's heart comes into play, especially when you're infertile, when you have mm-hmm. not been given the gift that you think um, yeah. God has asked you to be fruitful, multiply and you're trying and you want to. Right. And you're unable to. It can seem uh, discouraging and disheartening and you, and you can feel like, well, God, I'm doing all, I'm going to church and I'm loving you. I'm reading the Bible. I'm wanting to serve you. I'm wanting to maximize this fear for you. Mm. Yet you close my womb. Like this is so hard. What I feel like I'm not contributing how I should be. And I think especially as a woman, you can feel that way. And this is where I just say, once again, the posture of one's heart must be whatever you give me is what you've given me to expand your kingdom. So if you've not given me children, then for some reason, whether I see it or not on this side of eternity, Mm -hmm. that is how you intend for me to expand your kingdom. And that's good and right. Yeah. And if that's your heart's posture, um, not that you can't be sad sometimes or, you know, but I do think that you have to look at what God has given to you, whether it's a lot of time. Oh, well, (laughs) seven kids, 12 kids. Oh, I meant like the, the one who's barren, you know, the one who doesn't have any kids and really wants them. Yeah, yeah. Or no kids, but like whatever God gives you, you mm-hmm. just say, but this is what he's giving me in this family sphere. Right. So, yeah, this, the time that I now have, this extra time, how can I maximize my, yeah. my home, my family um, to expand Christ's kingdom? So it's a heart posture. Mm-hmm. It's um, It can be hard and I don't want to sound like flippant. Insensitive. Or, or insensitive. Yeah. But it's... It's just the reality. That was sphere number one, the mm-hmm. family sphere. Number two is going to be the sphere sovereignty of the church. What we would say there is, again, the Holy Spirit has given every Christian gifts in order to edify the body. That's what we're told in First Corinthians. Right. So everyone should belong to a church. And if you don't, then you are in sin. 100%. I'll just be honest. And yeah. Not... At me. That is, yeah. (laughs) And that's prescriptive. Do not forsake the assembling of yourselves together. Yeah, it's a command. And literally, and this is where I know we said 
uh, descriptive doesn't mean prescriptive, and there's a difference there. But there is also a principle as you're reading the Bible that as you read, there's a good and necessary consequence. Mm -hmm. That's what the Westminster, that's how the Westminster words it. And what we get from the New Testament as regards to church membership and attendance is that none of Paul's letters make any sense if no one comes to church. Yeah. Well, so, all of the Old Testament is pretty much written about a people group that God called. <laughs> called and gathered his, them together. His people. Yeah. And 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 if we want to go further, the, the Hebrew word for the assembly of the people mm -hmm. that Israel was called, when it was translated into Greek, it's the word ekklesia, and it just means assembled ones. It means called out and mm -hmm. assembled ones. And then that's the word church that we end up getting in our Bible is just mm -hmm. the gathered ones that are called out from the world. God's chosen people gathered together. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, and so we go further and this means that there's leadership. This means that there's deacons and elders. And we can clearly see a church government that is right and biblical outlined for us in scripture. Which is based on the foundation of the apostles teaching. Uh, Ephesians in tells creation. us about that. Yeah, what do you mean by that? Just that the husband is the head of the wife, just as Christ oh, is yeah, the head yeah, of the church. True. Yeah, there's a there's a God ordained hierarchy in the world. Yeah, which again is once again at Grant, <laughs> which is the anti Marxist idea of today is that yeah. hierarchies are wrong and everything needs to be fair and vanilla, and that's just not biblical and that's not uh, according to God's creation. Interestingly, this is totally sidebar, mm -hmm. but this whole um social justice diversity movement that we have going on right mm -hmm. now like oh, this wonderful same social justice warriors would bemoan the vanilla church would then turn around and slap the pa patriarchy across the face for suggesting that there's a hierarchy what do you mean bemoan the vanilla church like that everyone is white everyone has like the same anglo uh -huh. roots mm -hmm. like everything is just the same quote-unquote marxist flatline right. whatever and they want someone to come in and spice it up and add some, like, you know, peaks and valleys, or mm -hmm. so to speak. But then we look at biblical hierarchy, and they'd be like, oh, that's just, patriarchy is just the worst thing ever. Everyone should be equal. Right. Men and women, there's no differences. Yeah. And, like, they're almost the ones making everything vanilla, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. So, total sidebar there. But going back to what you were talking about with, like, church government mm -hmm. and all that sort of thing. Obviously, we can see in scripture that the pastor, minister, reverend, whatever you want to call him, yeah. of the church yeah. should be a man. And we see that in you know, based in creation, right? Um, all the leaders that we see throughout yeah, scripture. It's funny how so many today who are egalitarian and even the mm -hmm. soft complementarian, even though I hate that they have stolen our word. We just need to stop using it because it doesn't exist. But they say it all the time. Yeah, but we wouldn't say like I love how Doug Wilson even says same sex mirage. Yeah, like he won't. it's it's not real, so let's not pretend like it is. Yeah. Even if they use that term, we don't have to. So a mirage of soft complementarianism. The the complementarian mirage. mirage. Yeah, <laughs> I like it. They they will look at the passages where Paul says a woman should be silent in church, or I do not permit a woman to teach, and. Even these these complementarian mirages mm -hmm. are saying it was cult it was based in culture or that's culturally nuanced. Yet Paul roots his argument in the creative order, right? In Adam and Eve, you can't get any further back than that, right? So for once again talking about looking at the sphere and how we can utilize your influence in that particular sphere to expand Christ's kingdom mm -hmm. fully. Um, it would be probably easier for men to say, well, I should aspire to be a leader in the church. I could be, mm -hmm. you know, uh, it depends on your denomination, I suppose, but I could right. be like part of the session. I could, you know, yeah. sometimes it can be, Good a, and right things. sometimes it can be admittedly hard for women in churches to find a spot to serve without feeling like they're being disobedient to scripture mm -hmm. or offending someone else in the church. Or... Yeah, and the Reformed world has not been the best at this. I will ad admit it. And 
it's a struggle because it's like we know the theology of the reform camp is the most robust Mm -hmm. it's the richest it's it's just the best right it's the it's top shelf but then women come in who are excited about that and are struggling to find out where their place is to Mm -hmm. serve and to share this and to and to be a part of this exciting thing of a rich knowledge of you know god and then the church down the street is like come on you can do anything over here right we got 50 things you could do right and i think the reformed world i really hope that the reformed world the the strong right the strong theological reformed world will get better at using women in proper ways like the tightest two ways mm-hmm. and that um and that good robust programs will be started and women will get utilized to teach and disciple younger uh the younger women of the church and whatever else you know flows out of that right and this is going to depend a whole lot on what church you are a part of what denomination you're a part of very true there are just denominations that you should not be a part of amen <laughs> um many but actually. this might be a good place to just say that there are certain spheres where a woman's influence is going to be um more dominant than mm-hmm. others and biblically like in the church the the i'm trying to be careful how i say this so i don't make people mad in the church in the church sphere mm-hmm. men will be the dominant voice right and, and we gotta be good, okay with that and it's good and right right we don't want them to pansy out right and uh and wave a white flag and right. not take their god-ordained roles to lead right to lead that charge right that's a good thing so it, i think in a sense it's very good that we know that this is where men should be focusing a lot of their time outside of the home mm-hmm and then for a woman, she needs to focus more of her time and energy in the home. Right. That should be where her voice is primarily heard, seen, felt. Yeah. That should be her domain, so to speak, more so in the home. So, yes, it's challenging because a woman shouldn't be primarily in the church. She should be primarily in the home. But even that can be conflated because if you think that children are part of God's covenant people, then you are actually raising part of the church in your home and your yeah. influence is being uh, felt and seen and you are discipling church members mm-hmm. day in and day out. So it's not that you're not active in the church. You're just maybe not as active in the walls of the church building. Right. Does or, that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or in the operations of the worship service right like you're something. not you're not doling out communion yeah or preaching or but whatever, you're certainly but... making lunches for yeah. little church members every day mm-hmm. and talking to them when you when you rise and when you go mm-hmm. along the way and when you lay down um what what it is that the lord has taught us to do right, right? like Deuteronomy and neither says. can be forsaken like neither right. neither the children receiving communion or the children uh, getting lunch fixed for them by their mama should be done away with. Right. Both are important. And if you think about it too, you you are still an influence because I go to you for uh, advice or counsel and you know bounce ideas off to you and I glean wisdom from you and then I go out into the world and utilize it. Mm-hmm. And I still come home and catechize the kids and pray with them right and read the bible with them and influence that way but there's no way that our kids would be spiritually formed as much as they are right now i'm, I'm just saying obviously god's grace can do whatever he wants to do but what i'm it saying is, all is god's grace i see them and they say things and do things and i'm like i know i didn't teach them that and it just encourages me because because erica is here at home discipling the church the little ones of the church, the saplings of the church here in our home during the week. Right. And she's supposed to. And Eddie, our son, he may grow up and become a ruling elder in his church one day Mm -hmm. or a pastor one day, Mm -hmm. but he will serve his church one day. And that'll be a man doing a role that a woman doesn't do. Mm -hmm. But a woman is, is what was a huge influence on him anyway. It's all, it's all connected. Right. And both roles are super important. You can't sacrifice one or the other. And you can't flatten it out, like we said. And 
both can't go take the same role either. A man right. isn't supposed to stay at home, right? right. That, that's the wrong answer too. Right. I know oftentimes the thing that gets thrown back in um, complementarians' faces when we talk about women being barred from serving in certain roles in the church is the whole, well, what about Deborah thing? Mm-hmm. Well, what about Deborah? Yeah. She was a leader, you know, and she had authority a over military a military leader. Yeah. Told so, Barack what to do. Can I say that? You can say whatever you want. Yeah. I support you. Okay. <laughs> I approve this message. <laughs> the church, the reformed church has done a terrible job talking about this story and it kills me every <laughs> time I hear someone, not every time. Because I've heard some good sermons Pretty about it. Pretty much every time. But almost every time I hear like well-meaning men speak about Deborah, mm-hmm. there is just like, yeah, there's Deborah, but she's a fluke. It's like, yeah. that's not how we interpret scripture ever. Yeah, the CD skipped. Like, right. <laughs> what? We are just giving the egalitarians ammo. Right. You just told them if they don't like something, they can gloss over it. Yeah. That's exactly what you've told them. Yeah, it's just, like, I don't like that. Um, it's funny though because as you, we can talk about Deborah. Yeah, yeah. But I do. I mean, think our pastor preached on Deborah uh, a few months ago. It was fantastic, we and it was the best. We could get into like some real good depth with Deborah, but so good. Every time that a woman is in an authority position over a man in Scripture, like mm-hmm. Deborah, mm-hmm. it is because God is judging the nation. Hence the name of the book. Hence the name Judges. Judges. (laughs) (laughs) Like, because the best God could find amongst all of the men was Deborah, Mm -hmm. that just goes to show you what a pitiful crew he was working with. Like, that ought not be what we're aiming for as Christians. And that is what we see in Isaiah, that it's it's a judgment and it's a bad day when women become the rulers of your nation. So, yeah, sometimes God does use women. But that ought to make everyone stop and just be like, oh, my goodness. Right. What is going on here? What have we done? Where are we at? Let's take right. let's take the temperature. Yeah. God hasn't changed his MO. He's, he's judging you. But so. on the flip side, I love this story because, like, just a few paragraphs later, you mm-hmm. see in the story, JL, who is doing what? Yeah. She's keeping her home in her tent. Yeah. And what happens? The fight comes to her in her tent. Right. So it's not that women aren't engaged in the fight. It's yeah. not that women can't be um, warriors, like actually fighting against the enemy of, of God. We ought to be. Mm-hmm. But we don't go outside of our tents looking for the enemy. Right. The enemy will come to us, surely. And when he does, we put a peg in his temple. Yeah. Daggum. That story is so good. And yeah. And what you don't see in that story of Judges is a bunch of women being mustered yeah. Right. To go off to war. It's it's the one Deborah that we see. Yeah. And we see JL in her tent, just yeah. like you said. So, Well, and even Deborah was in the position she was in. She was still trying to get the men around her yeah. to be masculine. She's, She's like, like what this... is wrong with y'all? Yeah. Isn't this supposed to... Isn't this your job? Why am I here doing this? Get mm-hmm. to it, boys. Yeah. You're like, we won't go unless you go with us. Barack is seriously the most pansy guy. Yep. I mean, I'm sure there's other biblical stories we could point to, but that is, that's the bad That's like, the ultimate beta. But yeah, yep, yep, 100% beta <laughs> man, just like, but I mean, can you hold my hand while I go? We <laughs> might be getting slightly off topic here, but. But it's funny. So sphere influence. Yeah, in the church. I hope that was kind of helpful. Yeah, hope so. At us with your hate or with your love. Next sphere. S- civil government, the civil sphere. This gets trickier. Why is that? Because Christians aren't going to like what we have to say. So here's the thing. Christians, I don't know how long ago, the church abandoned... Probably since the dawn of time. Well, true. Hence Eve not obeying God's law. My... (laughs) (laughs) But in America, we started this nation really trying to follow God's law in civil government. And so the the famous example I heard uh, Joel McDermott use in a debate is a man was accused multiple times of buggery, which was bestiality, and he was hung for it. And he was he was arrested, did not repent, and they hung him for it. And I believe, according to God's law, that this is 100% just. But through the years, through the Civil War time, middle to late 1800s, the church, by and large, has abandoned God's law, and our nation 
at that time started to go soft down the drain. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the church went soft, so the culture went soft. And so right now, yeah, this is a complex mess to think about how a Christian influences the civil realm mm-hmm. and and what the you know what are the steps to recover you know a more um, biblical a more god honoring civil government there's a lot of work to be done there and i have an encouragement though and this is something in my own heart today but i was listening to a sermon by Doug Wilson and he was saying that when the lord often doesn't deliver or answer our prayers it's because we are not ready to be delivered yet yeah. We, you know, we're not ready for abortion to be, uh, to be made illegal. What would we even do? The church has been preaching a message of, uh, women are victims. That's like the pro well, and acceptance. Everyone should be tolerated and just loved. Yeah, and so what would happen if, all of a sudden, it's illegal and now, women are being accused of murder and like, what is the church going to do? We're not ready for that. There's a very small pocket of the church mm-hmm. that is ready, but by and large, they wouldn't know what they're doing. They would they would be doing they'd exactly probably, they'd what... They'd probably be facilitating back alley abortions, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so I think... Just like we were facilitating the gay marriage mirage. Exactly. We're holding ceremonies in our churches and ordaining, you know, we'd be ordaining abortionists. Yeah, and oh, he's celibate, so he can still be a minister. He hasn't killed babies in... A long time. Yeah. Oh, he's gay, but he's celibate, so that's okay. Yeah. And and so that's so my encouragement, this is to myself too, is to prepare yourself. Prepare yourself to be delivered. Civil law and how that translates over into the new covenant. The Westminster Confession talks about the general equity mm-hmm. of the law is forever binding. Mm-hmm. And so study people like Rush Dooney on biblical law because he was fantastic at it. Go read Joe Boot's book, The Mission of God, and understand what he means by theonomy and understand God's law in our culture. And there's a lot of great, ridiculously smart men writing books and have written books um, in the 1900s, the late, you know, 1950s and on that most people aren't reading and aren't listening to because it's not, it's not devotional. It doesn't give me the experience. Well, because the church has gone soft, so we want soft reading. But we're not going to be delivered and our culture will continue to go um, down the drain if we don't start to prepare ourselves to, to make it Christian. And that's the that's the that's so, the Great Commission is to disciple the nations. So practically speaking, then, for those who are police officers, for those who are um, councilmen, for those who are, I mean, you name it, mm-hmm. all kinds of different civil positions there um, yeah. in our country. If you're holding any of those offices, you do hold a particular influence that the rest of the world does not. You clearly have a sphere of influence that is different than the yeah. farmer or than the stay-at-home mom. Yeah. Or Yeah, because your, deci- your decisions at work influence and affect a whole lot more people. And there's the even a hierarchy person. within that, yeah. if we're being honest. Mm-hmm. Like, in every sphere, there's even a hierarchy yeah. within the sphere. We saw that in the family, in the church, and now in the civil government. But obviously, like, the president is going to have more influence than just the local police officer. Right. City city council member or something. Yeah. yeah. But all of them right now can think, is what I'm doing faithful to God? Yeah. I mean, just baseline, how can I be faithful to God? And so there are probably tons of laws that are that need to be off the books. Yeah. So work to get those off the books. Right. Well, and this is the beauty of living in today's age. We have social media. Mm -hmm. And just today, you and I were talking about a news article that came out about a Starbucks customer who Mm -hmm. was a police officer who walked into a Starbucks on Thanksgiving, bought a coffee, received his coffee, and the name on his cup said pig, which is obviously a derogatory term for a police officer. Right. So, obviously, the barista did not like the police officer, and so he wrote a slanderous name on the police officer's cup. Super classy. Way to go, Starbucks. All that training's really paying off. Yeah. You made your uh, employees super sensitive. Yeah. Um, but the this story went viral, obviously, mm-hmm. for obvious reasons, and it was the uh, Black Rifle Coffee. Yep. Is that yeah. the name of the? Yeah, Matt Best of Black Rifle Coffee. He uh, tweeted and was just like, hey, guys, help me find this police officer because 
I want to make it so that this police officer doesn't have to ever walk into a Starbucks Mm -hmm. because he will have a lifetime supply of our coffee. Yeah. Great marketing. It's super great marketing. Uh, Just want a disclaimer. uh, We do not endorse all of the content Black Rifle Coffee produces on YouTube or other social media outlets. (laughs) Some of it is just clearly ungodly. Well, but. The same could be said for police officers, too. I mean, we could say that about everything. Just (laughs) want to make sure. (laughs) Uh, Not every police officer is a godly police officer. Right. Some are, in fact, unkind swine. (laughs) (laughs) Some are, in fact, the unholy animal. (laughs) (laughs) Some are Gentiles. (laughs) Some are quite Philistine in their ways. Um, but that isn't even the point of my story here, that cops are all good and Starbucks mm-hmm. is all bad. That is not my point. My point is that this guy made it onto Fox News mm-hmm. and had a whole story and segment, which was great publicity for his coffee company and yeah. made him look really great and totally boosted uh, the morale of the police officers right. and great, great way to use social media. <clears throat> so why aren't Christians that effective? Yeah, we completely ignore... The cops, our sheriff, our city council, congressmen, and, and... If a coffee company can do it. Yeah. Why can't we? Tweet, you know, this is one thing that I commend Nate of the Rebel Podcast and our network for is they they are frequently bringing up their politicians and I know they email them and talk about them and mm-hmm. tweet them and are a part of petitioning certain legislation in their area in Canada. And we need to be doing that here. Whenever very important bill comes up in Wisconsin or even New York or when we were in North Carolina, if it happened in North Carolina, even though we weren't registered voters, we still emailed them and said, you know, hey, we're stationed here in the army mm-hmm. and we support you on this or we really encourage you to vote against this or for this. And now we get tons of emails from their campaign. But whatever, you contact them and you influence as much as you can in that way and encourage them towards ruling in a godly way. Right. Right? Like, do your senators know who you are? Mm-hmm. I would like to know. As a Christian, do your senators, your state senators, do they know your name? They ought to because you should be writing them all the time. Right. They should know your stance on everything going on that they're doing. And if they don't, then I don't think... That you are probably utilizing your sphere influence. And they only have so much time in a day. So they are going to hear the loudest voices. Mm-hmm. And so we we have to become one of the loudest, the loudest voices. voices. Yeah. I mean, Tom Tillis and Tammy Baldwin. Those are they know Erica Wisconsin, Van Wisconsin, <laughs> North Carolina. And Tammy Baldwin hates me, I'm sure. She's never kind to me. <laughs> but they ought to That's know awesome. that... You know, you are our elected officials and you will answer to me. Yeah. You do have a voice. And I'm just a stay-at-home mom. My sphere is very small. Did she not need to know that? Once again, utilize the influence you have. It may not be much. It may not seem like a very big weapon that you're brandishing. Mm -hmm. Listen, they, they want to make voters happy. And so if they hear from... Kind of. (laughs) I mean, they want to be reelected. Yes, that's really what it is. And so whether they're a Christian or not Christian, let's get them to listen to us. Yeah. Right? So long as they're doing the things that they ought to be doing. Now, my ultimate hope and goal as a Christian is to make my senator a Christian. Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, we have Ben Sass, Mm -hmm. who's a strong Christian man, and he's doing great things. Yes, we would want our rulers to become Christian and to have a desire and have an inclination towards godliness and towards and that's the post-millennial hope right yeah well that's our post-millennial belief yeah you know i mean hope doesn't fail right christ is risen from the dead it also needs to happen for a people who want it too Mm -hmm. because if we have a leader just come in change all the laws tear down all the high places and all the altars to the false gods to a people who love those gods way more than they love god Mm -hmm. it's just going to enrage them And like one of the kings of Israel, he did this and was assassinated. Yeah. So we don't want that. It's got to be both. But we need to just make our voices heard. Christians are scared. I don't know. And our pastor was just talking about the difference between the Old Testament and the endless cycle of, and that king did evil in the Mm -hmm. eyes of the Lord. And that king did evil in the sight of the Lord. And like this endless cycle that seemed to be on repeat, like what changed after the resurrection? What changed after Pentecost? 
And he was talking about how after the Holy Spirit was poured out, Mm -hmm. it freed Christians to actually walk in the Spirit. Like, we are free and able to say no to sin in a way that we were not able to prior. So that cycle of, like, continually falling back into this cycle of sin is, Mm -hmm. um, it's removed from us. Yeah. So in a way that is different from that endless cycle of sinful patterns in the Old Testament, Christians nowadays could change that. Like we could have godly leadership that just perpetuated so on and so forth. And then this and then this ruler, this president, this senator did right in the sight of the Lord. Mm-hmm. This king was righteous in the sight of the Lord. Like we, we could do that because we have the Holy Spirit enabling us to do that. Yeah. And another thing um, I remember our pastor saying is that in the Old Testament, you see the the people of God, you see Israel, you see all the holiness codes and a lot of the dietary laws and all that kind of stuff was meant to protect the people and their holiness. Mm -hmm. But now the holiness starts from within with resurrected hearts. Mm -hmm. And now the purposes of God move outward and continuously move outward. Mm -hmm. And so where... In the Old Testament, you kind of see them just protecting the walls in a way, mm-hmm. although there's probably an argument to made that, you know, like the Abrahamic covenant was for all peoples. Right. Um, however, in the New Testament, though, now you see the enemies of God running away rather than trying to attack. Mm-hmm. Right now, it's like it's bounced back and now we're spreading and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. So let's go. So that is our roulette episode talking about our different spheres of influence we hope that it wasn't just a weird mesh of everything (laughs) we had no prep no list that was probably nate would be so proud yeah he would there was no outline he's gonna he's gonna comment be like you guys did an episode rebel style or he's just gonna write us back because that's what we can't release he probably they they probably have notes and he's just sandbagging it feel sheepish insecure with our notes yep i don't know you and your notes that's so cute (laughs) (laughs) oh that's really funny our encouragement to all of you is if you're married sit down with your spouse ask how can we use the sphere that we have Mm -hmm. in our home the sphere of influence to expand christ's kingdom yeah what about in you know if you're the leader of the family what about my job how can i use my job to expand christ's kingdom yeah if your job is not a job that allows for you to do much in your you know your job maybe you should quit get a different <laughs> job <laughs> or maybe you should uh really think about investing more time in the church maybe that's mm-hmm. maybe god's calling you to a different avenue yeah like erica said earlier on when we were recording the idea is obviously a kingdom lens with how you right. look at the world and how you look at every sphere of life but the idea too is how to maximize growth and kingdom influence maximize the most you can do mm-hmm. and that's just kind and of take the... risks guys right like, you're only given one life you're only given one shot to get that in turn return on investment yeah so take risks there's parables about it y'all yeah and jesus but... said seek first the kingdom of heaven and right. all these things the the daily worries that we have of food clothing etc will be added to you Tomorrow has enough worry for itself. Worry about just today. Seek the kingdom first. Well, in the parable that I was referring to, Mm -hmm. the servant that didn't do anything with what his master had given to him, Mm -hmm. he just buried the money that his master gave to him. And then when his master returned, he gave him his money back, but he didn't make anything off of it. He, He didn't have a yield. He didn't have any return on investment. Yeah. And he was scolded for that. Yeah. So if you and your family and your sphere aren't taking any risks, then I think you're probably going to be reprimanded for that. And those risks for a woman might be don't chase after your career. Like, I don't have a plan B if Grant dies, <laughs> you know, like, and I don't need one. Grant is not the one taking care of me. Right. In little ways, we can be faithful and we can take risks to maximize that return on investment. It might mean, yeah. like you said, quitting a job. It might mean... um Taking a job that pays less because you're able to serve in the church more, because you're able to disciple your kids and be home for bedtime and family devotions. It might mean being uncomfortable in certain ways. Yeah. But take risks for the maximization of Christ's kingdom expansion. You will never regret it. You won't. 
Never regret it. So that's it, guys. So our hashtag for this one should be hashtag check out your sphere. <laughs> check your sphere. That's awesome. All right, everybody. Thank you again for listening. We hope you tune in again next week. We pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened by the power of the spirit. And until next time, get woke. Yeah. Let's start with the microphone check. One, two, first. Water to the dry and weary soul of the true church. The kind of things that few search. They say that the truth hurts. Well, this pain is gained, so let's explain the new birth. First things first, can't neglect this at the start. I must preface my remarks with the deadness of the heart from original sin. The effects of the fall. The sin of our first parents brought death to us all. Since Adam was our federal head, what he did counted for us. In him were all rebels and dead. Yo, captured in the mind, disaster, sin and crimes in a Dark state, Alaska in the winter time, sour in our frames. Left to ourselves, we be devoured in the flames. Cause we're powerless to change. If you feel that way, I pray that you respond happily. As you see what Jesus had to say in John chapter 3. Verse 1 is my thesis, it's the deepest Truth that should get you speechless What scripture teaches will fill in the missing pieces Picture Jesus meeting up with Nicodemus Perhaps it was fright about the other Pharisees Wicked spite against Christ that turned this into naked night He called the rabbi and gave him props Said he was a teacher from God Jesus replied, made him stop Regarding the kingdom of God, no one's going in In fact, you can't even see it unless you're born again That must have consumed and stretched his mind Cause he said, can a man enter his mother's womb a second? Time? Naturalistically, the only way for him to hear it Jesus said you must be born of the water and the spirit No other way to enter heaven That sounds like Ezekiel 36, 25 to 27 In this new birth, the spirit is the source and the agent The water symbolizes spiritual purification yeah. Flesh can only produce flesh, that's true and factual Regenerating work of the spirit is supernatural It's kinda like the wind, which is free East to west can't receive the steps You can only see its effects In the same way the Holy Spirit chooses who he pleases to sovereignly open their eyes to the truth of Jesus. For the spirit's mysterious operation uh-huh. We will all be under serious condemnation I'd still be rejecting the sun If God hadn't said let there be light Like Genesis 1 yeah. And just like the light could not refuse to shine Irresistible grace has renewed my mind Let's exalt the king who died and truly is risen The new birth is not the effect of human decision But the cause It changes our natural habitation and situation It's a radical transformation I was cursed and polluted So my dirt was inexcusable With new internal his person is beautiful, his worth is indisputable The lamb is amazing, a standing ovation for his work in the crucible So let us respond with true worship and love To the God who was given new birth from above